my time now I'm gonna be myself Or I could be someone else No one's stopping me now I'm gonna skip my breaks I'm gonna make mistakes I just wanna feel alive It's just what I do when I'm out So try not to hold me down Feel alive Hey, this is Champaign, Illinois native Emily Harrington coming to you from Kitchen Table Studios in the ever-evolving, sometimes boring, flatlands of Champaign-Urbana for the next podcast episode of Hyperlocals, where townies and transplants share their tales of tears and triumphs, losses and wins, so stay tuned to catch the characters behind the beloved Twin Cities of CU. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode five of Hyper Locals. Today, we have a special guest. She is a dear friend. She was in my wedding, if that tells you anything. So she's been around for a while. At one point, I would say we were high school rivals, and then we became dear, dear, dear friends. It's Kristen Sandone, maiden name Weatherford, a high school volleyball star, tall beauty and champagne townie hi Kristen. hi emily how's it going it's going well thank you how are you feeling nervous are you okay yeah don't be nervous this is just two friends having a conversation that we've already had got it so this episode is dedicated to fidelity and infidelity and just to preface i just want to say how brave and strong you are for talking about this. Um, most people sweep it under the rug and don't talk about it, but uh, I think you're doing it for two reasons, to help me out. And because I truly think you've overcome a huge hurdle and you do find some benefit in sharing the story. It is cleansing sometimes to talk about it. Once you sometimes expose something, um, a healing takes place. Right. So that's what Kristen's here to do. So we were married around the same time. Uh, I was May 1st, 2010, and you were? September 3rd, 2011. Okay. So at that time, we were going to weddings every weekend, Mm -hmm. to say the least. I mean, it was insane. And everyone was in each other's wedding, and it was just such an exciting, fresh, new time. Yeah. So... Tell me a little bit about um, your journey in marriage, how you met uh, your husband, and how long you guys have been together. Okay. So we met at a going away party that we were throwing for our dear friend, Michelle. And long story short, hit it off. I thought I was never going to see him again, though, because when we left that night, Um, I stood up from the bar stool and that we were sitting at all night talking and he realized how tall I was because my (laughs) husband is just a smidge shorter than me. Not much. Um, And yeah, he left before I did. I thought that he was scared about my height and that I would never hear from him again. But thankfully, we had exchanged numbers prior And he did end up calling, and the rest is history. Um, We were together for 
four years prior to getting married. Um, So we have been together for, what is that? This year is 11 years, so almost 15 years this year. But yeah, our path to marriage, you know, you know, like most, it was great, you know, very much honeymoon phasey type thing, you know, love and fun, lots of social gatherings and, and all the good stuff. Absolutely no doubt in my mind that this was the person that I was meant to be with. Not long after getting married, we started a family, had a honeymoon baby, mm-hmm. and then shortly after having that baby, found out we were having another baby. And life just kind of got a little crazy for a while, which... So how old are your kids and how far apart are they? They are eight and nine and they are 16 months apart. Okay, which is super close for anyone who has kids or doesn't have kids. Just to explain the amount of stress you're putting on yourself and your marriage Uh is pretty incredible. So you literally had a honeymoon baby. Literally. (laughs) Like, Like two months after, you know, our wedding, I... Maybe not even two months. Maybe one month I realized I was pregnant. Which wasn't technically the plan? No, not necessarily. We wanted to have babies right away. But I had no idea it was going to happen like that. Fertile Myrtle over Yes, 100%. (laughs) Okay, so so we were now complicating the honeymoon phase a little bit. A little bit. And adding some stress. Well, and we also bought a business. And that also was, you know, a leap of faith that we thought was going to be great for our family. Um, It was in the fitness industry. We are very fitness oriented people. We were led to think that it was going to be uh, more profitable than it was. So then we were dealing with financial struggles while raising a family. I still had a job, but there was, you know, only so much that we could do with Mm -hmm. what we were bringing in. Um, So there were just financial concerns uh, growing family, I wouldn't put it as a concern, but as a stress. Sure. Um, it, you know, weighed a lot on our marriage. So when would you say things got complicated? Because I don't know if, as your close friends, if we really knew exactly what was going on mm-hmm. until I saw your husband at Subway in Urbana mm-hmm. and he walked in with another woman and I was with my husband and it was one of those, I, I had think you had, you had led us to believe that there was um, some problems going on, but I don't think it was exactly in my face. And I knew for a fact until I saw him at that restaurant yeah. with another woman. And then I was faced with the decision of, do I tell her? Do I not tell her? In terms of the timeline mm-hmm. and the subway incident, mm-hmm. what was going on behind the scene? Well, I'll be honest, some of it has gone with the wind. Sure. But I want to say it was somewhere around the timeline of our daughter's one-year-old birthday that things weren't quite right. I don't remember yet if I knew for sure what was happening, but I knew things were not the way that they had been between us. Mm -hmm. Um, There was definitely a divide, more so than just financial and marriage stress. Um, We were slipping apart. But there was no proof at that point. This is just feelings you had. No, um, I don't believe so. Um, So my daughter turned one, uh, would have been in September. And I remember at our son's uh, three-year-old birthday party-ish timeline for him um, is when I remember, like, that's a defining time when I remember, like, we weren't on the same page. I don't believe that 
he was really living in the house much because there were things going on where he wasn't coming home all the time. Yeah, I do remember that being a stressful time. He might have had another place to live because there was a time when when I realized what was happening mm. that we, I don't want to say we collectively made the decision. At some point, a decision was made on one part or the other that he was not going to live in the house. So when he's not coming home during that, uh, at Jack's third years, mm-hmm. what's he telling you he's doing? Well, I already knew what was happening. So how'd you find out what was happening and what was happening? Well, so I believe that from people at the business where we, that we owned okay. um, were giving me some ideas as to what was happening. So we were at a wedding out of town in St. Louis. And, you know, we weren't like, oh, the love is, you know, abounding between us. You know, we were going and, it, you know, it was still kind of tense. You were just trying. Yeah. yeah. Um, we were going. It was a friend of his, dear friend of his. And, you know, of course, you are there for your friends. So we went and he was getting a lot of text messages that night from a certain person, sure. a name that I could that I didn't identify. Okay. And so a lot of text messages were coming through. Uh, at some point that night, I looked at the text messages and realized what was happening. In that moment, I realized that there was an affair happening. Um, there was a relationship. I also realized there were some secrets, like the name that was on the phone was not the one from the person that this was all happening with. Probably just into an attempt because I would have... To throw you off. Yeah, I would have known the name of the other person because they frequented the business so yeah that was the night is he sleeping when you're looking at the texts or is he seeing you see them i don't know that he knew he may have been asleep i don't absolutely remember that moment but i do remember let's say calling to his attention that i had seen that that i saw it and what does he say when you say i know what's going on Mm. um it was a very much an emotional night he obviously accepted of, you know, the fault. He didn't deny it. No, he didn't deny yeah. it. You know, we talked about how, you know, we just had been disconnected and he was really struggling and, you know, all these things, which, you know, I like I said, I mentioned that we were going through a rough patch with a lot of stressors in life. Um, and I guess that was just, you know, a way that he chose to cope with it, you know, with someone who was external to our stress in life, who could bring him a whole different perspective, you know, and, you know, being with someone who doesn't share the financial load or the parenting yeah. load, obviously, it was you know, life is seeming much better, you sure. know, on that end. But the grass is always greener until it's that's not. That's what they say. Yeah. So yeah, it was just an emotional night. Obviously, I didn't sleep that night. I couldn't. Um, I mean, I wouldn't I was think sick so. to my stomach. Like, how's the ride home from that? Quiet. Oh, Kristen. Very quiet. And at that moment, are you thinking, my life's never going to be the same? Yeah. Are you, is it, do you immediately think divorce or do you think we're, we can get through this? And you're, now you're traveling home to two little kids. Yeah. <sighs> I think I was... I couldn't even think about the scope of the future at that moment. I was just living in that moment and just thinking backwards, uh-huh. like back to oh, like thinking to, of yeah. science, like where did, where was this shown to me that this was happening and I was too naive or too caught up in life to take a moment to really see 
a deeper meaning to, you know, the little moments that were different, but um, I just brushed them aside as, you know, as nothing really big to to think about or to think more deeply about than that I maybe should have. But um, did you blame yourself in that analysis? I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to like say that I blame myself now, but I think that marriages are hard and they require so much work. Right. And it is easier to ignore uh-huh. and not talk about tough situations. And ever since this whole uh-huh. uh, part of our life, I literally, like, I used to feel so much tension when trying to approach any sort of tricky subject, anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I now it just rolls off my mouth because mm-hmm. I'm not going to put ourselves in a situation where I'm not going to bring up a conversation that might be troubling because I wouldn't ever want to put us mm-hmm. in a situation again where we are too closed mouth to speak to each other when we're in a marriage and we're in this together. When before this incident, you may have just let things go. Absolutely. Because you didn't want to have that fight. I didn't want to have the confrontation. Yeah. I am maybe to a fault I'll I'll have the fight to have the resolution. Mm. You know what I yeah. mean? I can't keep my mouth shut. <laughs> I mean, Mike would say that I probably can't keep my mouth shut either, but I feel like because of what we've been through, there's not a whole lot that's going to be worse. Yeah. So that also helps keep the calm uh-huh. to the crazy. Yeah. You know? So now you're going home mm-hmm. to your two babies. Mm-hmm. You, this secret has been exposed. He's not denying it. Where do you go from here? I believe that I was led to believe that it would stop and then it didn't. Um, So you were going to go to the point of forgiving him. You think it's going to stop and then it kind of resurfaces again. Yeah. Well, I don't think it ever stopped. So now you know it's not only physical, but emotional. Yeah. I mean, it probably started out as an emotional thing. It's not really something we've talked about, but I'm sure that he, because of our life's stress, that it was first an emotional outlet, you know, just talking to someone who, you know, was around and was giving, you know, the energy um, to discuss what was going on. Um, And then, you know, as with lots of relationships, you know, they take on a new meaning. Um, and, uh, I realized it wasn't stopping. I became, you know, obviously a completely different person for myself. You know, I tried to maintain who I was as a mom to our children. Um, there were a lot of excuses, you know, that I gave them as to what was happening, you know, just to save them, mm-hmm. um, save their perspective of our family. Cause they were so young, oh. but realized, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't stopping. Um, so over time, um, we grew further and further apart and realized like this just wasn't, it wasn't going to, if it's not going to end, you know, clearly this is just not meant to be. Um, there were a lot of moments where, you know, we were still having conversations because we were raising children together, whether not physically together all the time, but, um, it was never like a moment where I felt I don't love this person anymore. And that's what kept 
me having some sort of faith in him that things would change. Mm -hmm. At this point, in terms of a marriage, you go your separate ways and he moves out. Yeah. Officially. Uh, Officially and unofficially. But yeah, I mean, like, you know, it wasn't like a moving day kind of thing, Mm -hmm. but slowly, I guess. Yeah. So now you've kind of taken on the role as a single mom. Mm -hmm. Co-parenting with Mm -hmm. him. Okay. So how was it being a single mom when you physically feel so much pain? Like a mom can't get a day off and can't be sick. Mm -hmm. Has to get out of bed, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And has to move through the pain. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine having to parent and put on a happy face when your heart is breaking and so much uncertainty uh thank god for living in a town with family um you know if there's one great thing about being a townie it's staying close to a community of people who you know are there to support you um and there's nothing like family so uh it you know leaned a lot on um those around us who i felt comfortable being able or you know who obviously knew who who could support me who could be there for our kids um and help them be unaffected um but I did I used family a lot um so that I could just have my emotional moments um in solitude because I didn't want them I mean I cried in front of them but I never wanted them to to think that I was sad or unhappy or something was wrong Mm. It's okay for them to know that you can cry, yeah. but, uh, you know, I didn't have much of an explanation to give them, but they were young, so they didn't need much of an explanation. Um, they just loved the extra time with grandparents yeah. <laughs> or aunts. Um, so yeah, uh, single parenting hard, but it's amazing what God can do to provide you strength. Mm-hmm. You never, you're, I mean, they, everyone says you never get more than you can handle. Yeah. I mean, I do believe that. Yeah. I mean, I felt like because I felt the pressure of providing them their happy place, that that's what I had to do. Mm -hmm. Now they're eight and nine. Mm -hmm. Do they know, do they remember that time when dad wasn't in the house? Mm -hmm. Do they refer to that? Yeah. They ask a lot about it. They do. And how do you answer those questions? Um, I let them know that at some point maybe in their life when... It's okay. You know, when they're at a point in life when we feel like they should know that they will. Okay. Looking back now, I remember when Mike was out of the house and you were taking on the role of single mom. I remember when you made the decision to take professional family photos, Mm -hmm. just you and the kids. Mm -hmm. So how did that feel? That felt like a pivot to me, Mm -hmm. like a milestone. Yeah, it was an empowering moment. I'd say I just felt like, you know, there's obviously many phases to emotional uh, distress and recovery, you know, in in any uh, traumatic moment in life. Um, And so I was going through, obviously, like, you know, there's the time where I was questioning everything and I felt like the world was crashing down on me. And then, you know, I went and built up from there. Um, And then I finally realized, like, I have to still be this person for myself. I still have to be this person for my children, for the people I work with, you know, and thank God for them because they were also very supportive and um, 
open-minded to things that I needed. But scheduling family photos with the three of us was just like, I think I just needed that to have as a memory that like, we're doing this. Mm -hmm. The amount of strength that that took. It was a defining moment, I felt like. Like it was the beginning of restructuring your life a little bit. Yeah. It was owning what was going on. Yeah. And the future. Yeah. Looking back, it's like, oh, that's kind of a burner. (laughs) You know, because, and bless him, he took one of the pictures of the kids and I from that day. And um, just recently, for Mother's Day, had something really awesome done with one of them. He had one of them turned into a watercolor and framed. Your husband did. Because it's one of his favorite pictures of the kids and I. So we can have that as a happy memory still, even though we weren't together. Do you look at those pictures with happiness? I do because my kids are happy. How did you and your husband handle the co-parenting when you're in separate houses? Was it it strained between the two of you? Not necessarily. Um, You know, we had a very um, good understanding that the other person in his life at for a certain point, would never be a part of our children's lives. So you know during this time he's seeing this other person? For a certain time. I mean, you know, at some point things stopped between them. Uh And, but we didn't make the decision to move back in together then. It was a very, very slow process because obviously I wasn't wasn't ready. I needed time to heal. I needed time to make sure that it wasn't going to happen again. Um, When you saw him, during these drop-offs and these exchanges, was your anxiety through the roof and your heart beating? Or was it anger? Uh, the anger wasn't there because I was seeing him just like as uh, the father of my children geez. who I felt like they both needed each other, mm-hmm. you know, like. So you're seeing him as a tool. Yeah, like a, a recovery, you know, for for everyone. You know, he needed to feel the love of his kids. They needed to feel the love of their father. So, yeah, no, it wasn't anger. You know, it was concern, you know, that of, you know, are we going to be able to rebuild this? This is going to be forever, you know, all that kind of stuff. But but as time passed, it was like our friendship got stronger because despite not knowing where our marriage was going Mm. to go, I always knew that he would be my friend. Mm. So it's almost like you were building up something that was missing in the beginning. Yeah, like something that we lost with the beginning stress of of marriage, Yeah, the way that it, it took off for us. So you're kind of building back a foundation. Yeah. I mean, I, I always knew that we would be friends. Did you um, ever try to date other people while you knew he was moving on and in different directions? So there was one point um, a couple years in after I had um, we were – going through the process of divorce, um, which never did end up going anywhere. You mean legally you started the process? Legally, yes. That was a decision I made. um, And it it was a long process and probably, you know, I should thank God that it was because we didn't. I think that it's a long process for a reason. Yeah. I know lots of people who have filed and never made it to the end. Yeah. Well, that was us. Um, I don't know how many years it was in the process. Um, I want to say maybe one to two at the most. Um, so you just paid those huge retainers. Yeah, right. Lots of money. Emotional <laughs> issues through that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, 
yeah, at one point I did decide that, um, that I was going to try, um, and see other people. Um, I went, and it only happened twice. Um, but honestly, it was at a point where he was not really committed to seeing this person anymore. He had kind of ended things, but I was still not sure where, where my mind and my heart was. Um, and so that's when I made the choice to, to go out on a couple of dates, but he was, you know, very open to me. And I think that's when he started to show his heart a little bit more to me. Um, he became more vulnerable to me because he didn't want to lose me. He didn't want to lose us. Um, so he was hopeful that instead of dating other people that we could start dating again. So how did you make the decision to come back together? Well, we were spending a lot of time together, not necessarily like with the kids knowing, because I didn't want to confuse them if things weren't going well. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we spent parenting time together, but then, you know, we would find ways to hang out together without the kids knowing. um, So we could just be us, Mm -hmm. um, like a deeper us, not just a friend's us, you know, like building that love in our marriage um, again. And then after being together for a while, it it took a leap of faith um, again, but it took some time and I realized, you know what, why don't we just try having you move back in? From that point, how did you learn to let him back in your bed, trust Mm -hmm. him again, let him back in your heart, be vulnerable again? I think I just prayed a lot and we talked a lot. Um, He did then and does now give me all the reassurance I need to feel comfortable knowing that this is it. He's not going to leave me again. Mm -hmm. You know, if anything, I think he's maybe afraid that, that my trust, you know, isn't going to always be there, but I'm working on it. You know, I, I have my questions about silly situations, you know, that, that maybe I wouldn't have questioned prior. Um, but you want clarified. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I feel like the openness that I feel comfortable in talking about anything with him helps. Whereas before I wouldn't ask the questions that I didn't want to know the answers to. So slowly and slowly you build back your marriage. You stay together. The toothpaste is out of the tube. Your parents know what's going on. Your coworkers know what's going on. Your closest girlfriends know. How do you battle other voices around you saying you're not making the right decision or how can you trust him again? How can you get back together? Mm -hmm. Or was anyone like that? I mean, I'm sure there are some people more on the side of family who, you know, have their concerns because they saw what, what happened, um, you know, to everyone as a whole and wouldn't ever want that to happen again. But um, in the scope of friends and people outside my immediate family, if they questioned, they just questioned to make sure that I was, you know, really thinking through things. But no one's ever doubted, you know, that we could, could and should try. We had an amazing, you know, I, I loved our our dating life, mm-hmm. you know, it's not like there were, you know, issues that we've sure. ever had. We, um, so that foundation 
I felt would help bring us through this. What would you tell a woman or a man in a similar situation? So it's hard. I think that, you know, everyone's situation is different. You know, there's any little thing that could be different that could change the outcome. But I think being able to talk about the life that you guys have together, even if it's falling apart, you have to be able to talk about it. You have to be able to listen to each other, um, even if you have to go to counseling to make it happen. We did that a few times. That was actually probably more emotional than just talking to him um, face-to-face without somebody gearing us into certain uh, valleys that were very deep. But talk a lot. Don't make impulsive decisions. It's a long process. Don't think that it's going to happen overnight. Do what you have to do to make sure that you're taking care of yourself emotionally. Talk to people. You know, I think that if I would have talked to friends more than hiding it as mm-hmm. much as I did, um, I probably would have been better for myself mm-hmm. and my my kids. Um, but I wanted to pretend like this wasn't happening because sure. we do live in a small town and I didn't want the world to know. Yeah, but to be fair, everyone wants a perception of perfection and that's just not reality. So yeah, uh, just talking to your spouse, listening to your spouse, um, doing what you have to do for your own emotional wellness and realizing that it's, it's a long process, but don't lose sight of where you've come and what you've had. Um, because there is a reason you're together. Yeah. Okay. So what did your husband say when you said you were coming on the podcast to talk about this? (laughs) Uh, well, I was already panicking about it. So (laughs) And he's always the calm to my crazy. So he calmly uh, just said, if you feel like this is what you want to do, then that's okay. And so here we are. I mean, it's known, you know, mm-hmm. it's nothing that anymore these days, I feel like more people know than I care to know. Sure. Now more people will know, but um, I don't feel judged. Like I, I don't feel like anyone would judge like I did before. No, I think, I, pe- like- I think people would applaud it. Yeah, before I, really I felt like I was, I had failed, and that's why my life was the way it was. But I look at it as you've won. Now I do. Yeah. But when I was living it, I just felt like I was, I was a giant failure. Well, I never viewed you that way, and I don't think anyone else did. Yeah. And thank you so much for coming on. You're welcome. And I want to thank your husband, too, because this is not easy for either party. Yeah. And um, it takes a strong man and a strong woman to come through this and to tell people about it. So truly, thank you. Now, we got to wrap up. She's got to go get her kids. Is there anything you want to plug or organization you want to recognize? The Rock Counseling Group is the one, you know, if I was to plug an organization, that was um, the counseling service we used. Um, We, you know, have a dear friend that owns, well, I wouldn't call him a dear friend, but he is a guy that we know. We'll call him a dear friend. We'll call him a dear friend because he was a huge help to us and and still is to me with life and, you know, questions that I have, but uh, owned by a great family and our sessions with him, our few that we had together made it easy to talk about even the really crappy stuff. Kristen, thank you. Thanks, Emily. You're wonderful. Well, 
thanks for making it a little easier than I thought. You were great. <laughs> thank you so much. And um, thank you, everyone. This was episode five. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. However your podcast host of choice allows, please positively rate, review, comment, and give all the stars. Don't forget to follow, subscribe, share, and ring that notification bell. Also, search and follow HyperLocalCU on all social media. If I forgot anything or you need me, visit my website at hyperlocalcu.com. Bye.